every time when I hire my chefs, mm-hmm. I tell them, don't expect me to be that chef that you think I am, you know, just I am a person that likes to enjoy life. I am a person that has a work balance with life. So I dedicate time to my kids. I dedicate time to myself and I work and I passionate about it. But if you push me to be only working, then I will not be passionate anymore, yeah. right? So you have to kind of balance that to be able to have a creative side and a, and a passionate side, you know, all the time motivated. the Kill Them With podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. And in this episode, I speak to Roberto Segura. Now, he's the head chef at Taboo, a beautiful restaurant here in Dubai and is also a trailblazing creative culinary consultant. Now, he started cooking at a really young age, which he shares in this episode how it all started and then went on to work in some of incredible restaurants in Peru. In 2019, he launched his own company, RS Hospitality Consultants, and he curates all these culinary concepts all around the world and also has a YouTube cooking channel that teaches recipes and tips. I absolutely loved my experience at Taboo. The food was not only incredible, but the the way it was presented was just so, so nice. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Kelly Loomer podcast, Roberto. It's great to have you here. We enjoyed a wonderful dinner a few months ago, and it's great to have you here on this table, just with no food. Indeed, <laughs> but we There's have nice water. <laughs> yeah, something wrong with that there. Thank yeah. you, Kelly. It's my pleasure being here. Yeah, Thank it you was such a fabulous evening that we had. That it was the combination where we had three courses with yourself at Taboo, and then we moved elsewhere. What a nice way to collaborate. So it was great. It was great indeed. It was a great night. We, we have so much fun, actually. It was nice not to be actually cooking during the whole night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, enjoying with you and, and having to, the, the opportunity to know each other a little bit more. Yeah, it was lovely. Do you want to give everyone a little bit of a backstory as to who you are and where you're working at the moment? Sure. So I'm Peruvian. Peruvian national, 35. I always say 36. I don't know why. I'm 35 we years age old. age yourself. Yeah. I've been calling myself 43 <laughs> all this year. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just 42. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm a professional chef and I've been um, in the country in United Arab Emirates uh, for the past 12, almost 13 years now in oh, July. Okay. So a new life here. I've been operating and opening different restaurant concepts. Yeah. So, so first of all, let's take a step back. What got you into, you know, the cooking and creation and, and what you create now, I think, has been part of the journey. But where did it start? So everything started because my mother doesn't know how to cook, right? So... Uh, <laughs> The, the, Does she know you say this on all the yeah, podcasts? All the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> she knows. And uh, the one cooking in my house was my father. 
So for me, it was very normal to see men in the kitchen cooking all the time, right? Yeah. So I actually started, you know, cooking when I was 11 years old, just helping out and everything. And then I did my first dish at, at 11. My parents were not home. I was with, uh, I think my grandma was there. And then I just got a cooking book from a shopping mall, very simple. I got all the ingredients and I started cooking. This so is when, at 11 years old. 11 years old, yeah. <laughs> The, the recipe was really simple. It was uh, rice with some vegetables and then a chicken with uh, bechamel sauce, right? But bechamel that's super sauce. hard to make. <laughs> it's very easy. But at that time, it was super hard. For me, it was a challenge, right? So then when my parents came, came back home, I told them, listen, I cook. I want you to try. Blah, blah. And then they were like, uh, first, my mother wanted to kill me because obviously how come I was cooking, you know, I could have uh, get burned or cut myself or anything could happen. Nothing happened. And then they ate what, what I cook. And I remember the face of happiness in my parents, right? So I think until today, that's my motto. That's what is keeping me inspired and motivated to, to keep cooking and creating. Because mm, I remember when we had the dish, mm -hmm. the first dish that evening, which was, I think it was beef tartare. Do you remember? It and was then, a wagyu beef tartare. Yeah. yeah and you'd, you'd, you, but you were mixing it on mm -hmm. the in front of us there yeah. and it was on a little was it a little bun a little bun of uh, brioche oh it was so <laughs> nice and I don't normally like beef tartar and it was so nice but I remember you said that you look at the expression mm -hmm. of everyone when they're eating correct to check that they're okay with it yeah that's my that's my way to to understand if people are truly enjoying the food yeah because when the chef goes to the table I think one percent of people will tell something negative but everyone else will be like, oh, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. But you never know if it's true or not, right? They yeah. can just say because they want to be nice with you. But faces don't lie, right? So mm -hmm. when I see the expression on people's faces from far, I know if they're really enjoying the dish or not. Yeah. So do you, like, when, when you've got a full service out, mm -hmm. do you kind of, like, peer behind the kitchen and have a look at everyone's face if they're eating? So uh, I always design the kitchens that I work with open open kitchens mm -hmm. so we can actually see each other the people that are sitting in the in the, in the table and, and the chefs can see each other because it's important to have that relationship i believe plus 50 percent of my time i'm actually on the floor and not in the kitchen yeah. so i'm i really i'm a, a people's person mm -hmm. so i really like to be in touch with person uh, with, with customers yeah do they ever give you ideas you know that yeah. comes from you know all from what you're doing it's just the facial expressions you're going in yeah i'm going to do this how did it go from that first meal that you prepped for your mm -hmm. mom and dad and yeah. they liked it? Then did you start getting more responsibility in the, the yeah, kitchen? Yeah, actually, actually, then I started cooking for my friends. And then for... What, uh, 11? No, I was getting older, you yeah. know, but I started at 11. And then I was cooking with my parents, with my father, actually. And then Sundays with my grandma. Sundays was a family lunch all the time mm -hmm. in grandma's house. So she didn't cook much, but whatever she cooked, she teach me as well. I was getting involved. Then I cooked for my friends, then for the friends of my brother. And then everyone was talking about me cooking, right? And then when I had to take the decision, it was uh, 16. So at that time it was, okay, my parents loved that I cook as a hobby, but they never realized or they never thought I really wanted to be a professional chef. So when the time came to tell them, that I wanted to be a chef. I was in finishing the school. I had uh, 16. And, and then they say, no way. Right? My, my mother is an accountant. My father is economist. And my, my brother has a master in finance. So I'm like, no way. You, know? you have to go to university. You have to study you know, whatever you want, but in university. And then you want to do something else, then you can do it. 
So it was a big fight. We didn't talk to each other for two months. A lot of drama happened. <laughs> and I remember telling my, ah, I applied to university. Uh, I entered two universities uh, in Lima, Peru. And then I told my parents, okay, listen, if you want me to go to university and waste five years of my, of my life doing something that I don't like, and then to work, to be able to pay my career, you know, then good for you, but you are making me waste time and you are wasting my life. And then I remember my father lost his job at the time. So he was in a, in a tough situation and I, he wanted to go to live in the United States alone to work and to be able to, you know, to provide more for the, for the house. So my father told me, I will not leave my family and go and work in our country just for you to be a simple cook. And I told him, I'm not going to be a simple cook. I'm going to be the chef, the best chef in the world. And then we cry, I don't know. And then we didn't talk like for a couple of days more. And then one day they woke me up and they said, okay, you know what? Let's go and check what cooking school or what institute is the, the one that you really want, right? So we went, we checked, and then I started a career at six, 17, 17 years. Wow, but you really had to push your parents to, <laughs> to be on your side to actually do it. And the fact that you were prepared to go and you were like, I'm going to go and do this, but mm. it's not going to make me happy. And then mm. in the end, they, they came around. Yeah, yeah, I, I was very stubborn on what I really wanted to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm usually like this. If I really want to, to do something, I don't stop until I, you know, until I achieve it. Yeah. I kind of manipulate them a little bit, my parents. <laughs> I don't know, don't every kid. You've got children, I'm sure they do it. They're <laughs> they master it, they manipulators. So you studied for a couple of years. So the journey of being a chef, so, so not only were the parents maybe not on your side, but actually becoming a chef and getting that opportunity to work in, restaurants and get your experience it's tough it's very tough actually we went we meet in the half right because my parents wanted to for me to be like say administrator or something like that i wanted to be a pure chef but the career of chef was only one year and then there was one school that offered food and beverage administration so i ended up studying food and beverage administration with a specialization in chef right and then, but is that actually now when you look back has mm -hmm. that ever helped what you does oh it does, does it it, does. <laughs> it does. actually if i would go back i would have go to university and then at the same time it study for being a chef would you yeah yeah i, what, I kind of miss that part of the university feeling and everything like how funny yeah. so what, what was your first job then after you did your graduation so i remember my my cousin was friend with a security guard in a restaurant very popular restaurant in peru called la rosa nautica um, I'm talking about like probably 16, 17 years ago, more, or 20 years ago, no less, 18. So at that time, there were not many restaurants like they are now in Lima, and the career of a chef was not really something popular. So many chefs study outside, and then they come back to Peru to open their own restaurants or something mm. like that. So I spoke with him, and he got me an interview with the chef. I was in my first cycle of uh, trimester in the school. So I, I applied to do internships. They say, yes, okay. They interview me quickly. They say, okay, we need help, come. Then I start working there. Uh, I, start, I was studying in the morning, leaving at 2 p.m., then go to the restaurant around 4 p.m., and then close until 11, 12, midnight. And that restaurant, I remember, was on the, on the pier. So to leave from there, I had to take taxi, but I couldn't afford to take taxi every day to my house. So I have to walk. What is this? It's a, it's a cliff, right? So you have to walk stairs, a lot of stairs to be able to take the bus because yeah. there's no bus over there. So I had to do that every single day. I have to wake up at seven to be able to go to school the next day. And 
it was really tough, but I was super motivated to learn. And they didn't pay me any salary, eh? no, no salary, no tips, anything. <laughs> but I learned a lot. I learned more than in the school, right? So yeah, yeah it was a very good experience. So then, so then you get your experience in there and then what happens? And where's the gap between there and what made you move to Dubai? So after that, one of my teachers, that uh, he is a very good mentor until now, uh, he was a chef, but he was also a TV personality. And that was something that always motivated me, the media side of being a chef, right? So he hired me as, that was my first actual job with, with salary. He hired me as, a, as an apprentice in his, openly, in his new restaurant that he was opening. And then with him, I stayed for two years until I finished my career. Then I moved to Argentina. In one month, I decided, you know, like, I need to leave because I was uh, very comfort. I was in a comfort zone. So I was 19 years old. I had the job with this chef. From apprentice, I moved all the way to sous chef because he had three restaurants in total. So one of the restaurants, he made me sous chef. So I was in charge of 10, 12 people in the kitchen. Wow. And it was super hard because they were older than me. Some of them, they were not actual chefs. Like they were you know, people that were cooking all their life and they didn't accept that a 19-year-old tell them what to do, right? So it was really tough, but I love it. I enjoy it. I remember I had one car and I had a very nice girlfriend. So I was very comfortable everywhere. I was living with my parents. And then one day I said, you know what? I'm not going to grow if I'm going to stay here. So I'm going to leave. So my parents sell my car, finished job, broke up with a girlfriend, <laughs> went to Argentina to study again. So I studied a master in... Vanguard is cuisine and modern techniques because oh. at that time it was starting molecular food. Mm -hmm. So all these small details and everything. In Peru, there was nothing like that, right? So it was more basic. So I went to Argentina and then I need to find a job to be able to pay that school, right? So I started working there in different restaurants, but then Osaka, which is uh, the best Nikkei restaurant in Peru, at that time was also the best in Argentina. They hired me as sous chef. So they hired me as a chef. I started working there and then they opened one branch in Mexico. So the chef told me, do you want to go to open Mexico? I said, yes. So I actually went back to Lima for four months. That after one year. Then I went to Lima for four months. Then I left to Mexico. I stayed in Mexico one year. Uh, in Mexico, I met another chef who is called Richard Sandoval. And he's very popular in US, but he's actually Mexican. And then he took me to New York to work with him in a wow. couple of restaurants. And then there was the opening of his number 45 restaurant in Dubai. And they opened Toro Toro, which is still open ah, yes, in, yeah, yeah. in the marina. He told me, okay, you want to go to Dubai? And I said, Where is, what is Dubai? I vaguely <laughs> no remember idea. having the same conversation with my mom going, I've got a job advert for Dubai, mm, but yeah. where is it? Yeah, where is it? Nobody knew at that time, right? Yeah. So I Googled it. I saw Burj Khalifa and I saw Burj Al Arab. I said, wow, you know, maybe I'm going to live there in Burj Khalifa. <laughs> so I said, okay, yes, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. And I, I came to Dubai in 2011. And was that you thinking, I'm going to be here like many people do? I'm here for a couple of years. I put myself as a goal to be here two years. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, and we're... we're I was like... Yeah. A few years in. And I think you've got a, a little one. You've met your family here as well. So we have two kids. Huh? Yeah. One is uh, five and the other one is one and a half. Yeah, boy and girl. So the, the couple. Lovely. Yeah. So we're here. You're now working... Well, so you've got a couple of projects on the go. So maybe just elaborate a little bit. We were in Tabu, yep. which is Peruvian. Oh, it's Japanese. Japanese, more, more sorry. Japanese. Yes. Yeah. And then we were talking about your other projects that you, yes. you have. So on you go. So well, in Dubai, I work in different restaurants, obviously, 
And then I opened uh, my own consultant consultancy firm in 2019, end of 2019, which was really tough because after five months, the pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything started. So I was literally not working for a year. I had signed three projects and then everything went down with the pandemic. So I stayed at home, which was really good because it connects me a lot with my eldest kid with Luca. Now we are best friends. And I believe it's because of that year I spent literally every single day together from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. It was a nice time, but it also was difficult because obviously I wanted to work, but there was no opportunities. And then I met with David, which is the owner of Infinite Concepts. Mm -hmm. And we have met before, but we kind of put synergies at that time. He needed a chef for one project. I, did, I needed a job. So I said, okay, let's do it. We entered into an agreement as as an executive chef for the group, for Infinite Concepts Group. I still have RS Hospitality, so it's two different brands. With Infinite Concepts, I developed different projects with them, different restaurants. I manage uh, the culinary side of it. So one of them is Taboo, the one that yeah. we met. And Taboo is a modern Japanese restaurant, which is uh, very successful. It's in the San Regis uh, Business Bay. And we are doing very well. Our anniversary actually is next week. So our first year anniversary, yes. And then with RS Hospitality, I do specifically food consultancy. Yeah. So I don't do the whole solutions. It's mainly, mainly focused on food, menu development, menu engineering, staff training, recipe developments, etc. All that food and beverage degree that you did exactly. that <laughs> coming into practice. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Come um, full circle. It's, it's, it's crazy. Okay, with RS Hospitality, we do this. We did 17, 18 concepts in Dubai. Uh, wow. Well, actually more than Dubai, uh, also in Cairo, in Kuwait, in Saudi Arabia. Now we are doing one in Spain. So it's actually growing slowly, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's my, you know, my baby. And with that now, I'm opening a new venture, which is called La Barra in uh, Nahil Mall, in the Pachica Food Court. It's a small Peruvian tapas venue that yeah. is going to offer uh, authentic Peruvian food, but in a casual fast food mode, yeah. which I believe is the, it is the only one doing that. So yeah. I think it's... It's going to be very, very good. Well, you talked a little bit about when you were there that Peruvian food wasn't what it is now. Like it's very much like it's 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 got its own signature yeah. and people. What, what what do you think? How do you think that's evolved and happened? It's crazy how it evolved. Actually, is in probably in Peru the past fifteen years mm. evolved a lot. It started slowly and with mainly with chefs coming from abroad. Right, so okay. Peruvian chefs that were studying in France or, in, or working in Europe, and then they come back, they actually believe they had the opportunity to come back and do something new in Lima. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started. How did it started? With chefs having the creativity to turn dishes, you know, with all flavors, with uh, tradition and, and, and culture, into something really nice with technique and creative side, right? So with that, we are very lucky to have in Peru multi-diverse culture so we are a mix of everything right so when you, when you see i don't know someone from australia is pretty much everyone looks kind of the same structure in peru you see 30 different people and they are all peruvians right yeah. so we have a massive mix of cultures and that started many many years ago right so nikkei cuisine for example which is my speciality is yeah. the mix of peruvian and japanese food and that's not really because we thought, okay, let's do a Peruvian maki. It was a mix of cultures like started 500 years ago when the first immigrants from Japan arrived to Peru very far. 
but they arrive in a, in a, in a ship called Sakura Maku, and they started looking for new opportunities in, you know, in different continents. So we actually, until now, we have the second biggest colony of Japanese immigrants in mm. Latin America. So the first one is Brazil, and the second one is uh, Peru. Obviously, when they wanted to eat, they wanted to eat their own food, right? Not uh, the, our food. So they start cooking with what they found in, in Peru. And that's how the mix of Peruvian Japanese started. And it's funny, when you go to Lima or to Peru in general, there is no a single Japanese restaurant. All of, them all, are, mix. all of them are Nikkei. Ah. So you want to eat like authentic Japanese food, there is no a single restaurant in Peru serving authentic Japanese food. Oh, interesting. Maybe there's an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the when we were talking about earlier, and, and I was curious to kind of bring back on that, about, you know, you're very much a people person. Yeah. And, and you can see that in the energy, but chefs are not notoriously known to be people and mm. you, you have this other impression of what potentially chefs are like in the kitchen. Do you think that's opened more opportunities for you or? 100%. Yeah, in yeah. terms of what's coming up or just being open to asking or mm. what, what? 100%. I mean, there are two things, right? Like I always say there are two kinds of, of chefs. The chef that cooks all day, that thinks about food all day, the, the thing that, that reads about food and breeds food, right? And they are living in the kitchen, like 15 hours inside the kitchen. And then there is me, right? <laughs> there is the, 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 the other breed. The, the, the ones that we actually try to build our own personal brand, being a chef. Mm -hmm. So obviously being a chef is pretty much related to food, but it should not be the only thing that you think about, right? So we think about finance, we think about media, we think about how to grow our business, how to create more clients, how to have a better following. And all this is impossible if you just do, if you just live inside the kitchen, right? Yeah. You have to explore. There is a world outside, you know? And I tell this every time when I hire my chefs. Mm -hmm. I tell them, don't expect me to be that chef that you think I am, you know? Just, I am a person that likes to enjoy life. I am a person that has a work balance with life. So I dedicate time to my kids, I dedicate time to myself, and I work, and I'm passionate about it. But if you push me to be only working, then I will not be passionate anymore, yeah. right? So you have to kind of balance that to be able to have a creative side and a, and a passionate side, you know, all the time motivated. Was that a gradual thing, do you think? or do obviously, you think obviously, in the beginning, it was more difficult to say that mm. and to do that. Now, with the years of experience and with the opportunities I had and uh, the businesses I have, I kind of put this very clear Yeah. because it's, it's really very important to, to do a job that you are passionate about and that nobody kills that passion, you know, nobody put it down, that passion or that creative side. That's why I'm not, uh, let's say, executive chef in a hotel because it's too structured. You have to do this, you have to do that, corporate level, approvals. You know, it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. I like to cook. I like to create. I like to talk to people uh, and to be in media. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing that you said there, because as someone who's a personal brand strategist, who's mm -hmm. always trying to educate people that mm -hmm. everyone's a personal, everyone has a personal brand. And but not everyone thinks they have a personal brand, whereas you have for a while gone, no, I have a personal brand and I need to be working on this, looking at media opportunities mm -hmm. and things that are out with the kitchen for other people to understand, one, my style of creations, but also, you know, who I am and why I do this. Was there a defining moment for that when you realized, no, there's more to what I do than just the kitchen and the personal brand was a piece? Yeah, I mean, I always look for that. I mm -hmm. think it's important. It's, it's not something that will just happen. 
I always look for that. And I, I remember when I was working in the act, it was the first Peruvian uh, restaurant that opened in Dubai before Koya. And then I remember that I had a good, a good time, but I wanted to do my own. I wanted to do my own restaurant, my own project, to be part of something and not to be an employee with a number. Mm. You know what I mean? So I developed a business plan. That's the, I think that's the, the starting point of everything. When I develop a business plan, I start looking for investors to, to create my own hospitality group or a, or a restaurant. So I come up with Waka, which was a very nice Peruvian restaurant in, in Business Bay. Unfortunately, after the pandemic closed as well. But at that time, I realized that this is what I wanted to do. You know, mm. I wanted to be, to have the freedom to be able to take my own decisions, to be able to do my, my own creative dishes, to have my own style, you know? Yeah. And that was really good. But then I also realized something there, that at that time I was the director of the company and that wasn't working. I need to be a chef. You know, yeah. this is what I am. This is what I, I need to be focused on the creative side of things. Yeah. I don't want to deal with HR. I don't want to deal with, uh, you know, the visas and stuff like that. Find your strengths and then your weaknesses. Yes. yes. Yeah, so... What, when it comes to, because um, you mentioned there earlier about sort of that's what you tell those that you bring in about, you know, you, when you're mentoring and you said you had a mentor. And I think that mm-hmm. whole mentor piece, especially in the, you know, chef and food and hospitality industry is really important. How has having a mentor changed your opinions or how has it helped you? So I, I think we all need uh, mentors uh, in our life in different aspects of our Life, it can be career, it can be love, relationship, it can be, you know, friendship or anything. I think the first mentors are your parents, obviously. As a, as a, I think they build your personality or they help you build your personality, which is really important. And I'm trying to be that for my kid, for example, mm-hmm. for my kids. And the first mentor I had, I actually, feel, his name is Christian Bravo. Funny enough, now he's involved in so many different things. He's a chef. He's a TV personality. Yeah. He has a podcast. He's now, working on his personal brand. <laughs> he has a very big personal brand. And now he became a life coach. Oh, licensed, no Licensed life coach. So I actually took sessions with him. It's funny enough because after so many years, you know, of uh, friendship and everything, now we get to share our life and our business projects and everything <laughs> in a different level, in a different, yeah. you know, but it's the same person that you're talking to. Absolutely. And I think that to have him in, in my life is very important because he teaches me, he keeps teaching me things and it marks my personality as well. It marks my, my style of being a chef mm. because he's like that. He's, he's a chef, but he's multifaceted, mm. trying to do the same. <laughs> if your son says to you, dad, I want to go and study and be a chef at university, you know, trained your university, what would you say? My son? Yeah. I'm very clear that Anything that my kids wanted to be or mm-hmm. want to be in the future, I will support them 100%. Okay. I will definitely guide them. And I will tell them the good things and the bad things about it. Yeah. But it's their own, um, that's what they their own decision. Their own decision because when you have it in your heart, just do it. Yeah. You know, because it's going to be great. It's going to be good. Yeah. If you want to be a football player, be a football player. You want to be a dancer, be a dancer. But just do it with, you know, with passion. Yeah. What's the biggest myth that you would like to debunk about your industry that you're in? Biggest myth? Well, I think there is a lot of myths about chefs not sharing their recipes. And even when they share it, they share it like with something twisted, something wrong, so nobody does it. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> I think it's a myth because I always share my recipes. 
we actually have a, a group of top chefs in, in UAE. We are like 68 people. Uh, it's called the Dubai Chefs Collective. We literally share everything on the group. We have a, a WhatsApp group. We share suppliers, we share recipes, we share contacts. So we try to help each other in the industry. And I think before that was not happening. Yeah. I believe before the chefs were much more reserved, more close and jealous about what they know. I, this is how I learned, how I started in this uh, place, La Rosanautica. They didn't want to share anything with me. They didn't want to teach me how to cut something because it took them years to be there. So they didn't want to teach it easily. Whereas now there is much more. I mean, I see that in a lot of things now, though, the collaborative mm. nature of doing business, that yeah. if they're helping you, it helps them. It's, there has a bigger ripple effect to yeah. it all. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, if you are together with people that have kind of the same goals, the mm. goals just happen faster. I believe that happened in this city a lot, right? Yeah, That's I agree. why Dubai grows so fast and people in Dubai grow so fast because everyone has the same mentality. Yeah, it's true. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice? I received many advices, but my grandmother, which was the major influence in my life, always told me the worst thing that can happen is that somebody tells you no. You know, just try. Just do it. Try. Knock the door. Ask questions. Invite someone to dance. <laughs> the worst thing you get is a no. Yeah. That's it. Then you go around and then, you know, try again another day. Has there been one situation where you've just gone and asked and you expected a no and it was actually like a yes? Yeah, many times, many times. Really? Because I, I always ask for things, you know, like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I just go, you know, I just go ahead. And I also, at the same time, I never say no, but that might be a problem. <laughs> in time, in time. In time. I always love to kind of wrap up our podcast mm. with some fun mm. questions that I don't know what's in the pack. So would you like to take a couple of these? And I don't know what it's not necessarily business related, mm. can be personal, anything. And it can be underneath. This is like poker, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. Let's say this one. Shall I read it? Or yeah, read go it? read okay. it. The most unexpected compliment I have ever received. You know, this happened a lot in, in Dubai. I don't know. I mean, we live in the city, so I'm talking about Dubai. But it's random how people tell you nice things in the elevators, for example. Oh, like, do you think that? Here, more than anywhere? I mean, never happened in Lima. <laughs> <laughs> in Lima, people are not complimenting you much. And here they just tell you, oh, uh, nice shoes, bro. Or, oh, wow, nice tattoos. Or, oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, I don't expect any compliment. You know, it's something happening. I don't know. Oh, I love that. Um, one. I spend too much money on clothes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite designer? I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a specific, a specific one. I'm very random to buy clothes. Yeah. I can buy Karl Lagerfeld or I can buy, you know, anything in Zara or whatever. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not really about the brand. It's just the fact that if I'm working a day, if I'm sorry, if I have extra time during a day, I say, oh, I'm going to go and buy something. I'm going to buy some, buy a new shoes. I'm going to buy a new jacket. What was the last thing you bought? These shoes that I'm wearing now. Oh, nice. I know to them. <laughs> Love them. Okay, one more. Mm, at a party, you will find me dancing and drinking and enjoying. I'm a party popper. I'm a, sorry, no, I'm a party spirit. You yeah, know? party uh, animal. Party animal. Yeah. Yes. Not yes. party popper, party animal. No, party yeah. animal. So I love it. I love to party. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's part of my personality and I need to party at least once a week. But it's not like club partying. I yeah. don't like clubs at all. 
Uh, it's more like in houses with friends, you know, eating, drinking, talking, dancing. It's just having fun. Yeah. I just have one more question to yeah. bring it back to your parents. So yeah. have they been over to the UAE? They've eaten in the restaurant. Like how, how have they seen the journey where I guess in the beginning they were so reluctant and what yeah. have they said now? They're so proud. They're so proud. They're, uh, well, my mother is a cheerleader, so it's the biggest supporter I have. And they have been here many times in, in, in Dubai, and they have been in all the openings of the restaurants that I actually uh, sit in. They have been to Taboo. They, have, they, they love it. They keep telling me every new restaurant I open, they can see that I keep growing in my, in my style, in my yeah. cooking style. So yeah, they're really proud. They're really I happy. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming here, sharing your journey. I've loved being part of it. I really felt I've gone to every destination with you and then back here in Dubai. How can people find out more about you, social media? What platform are you using? Have you got a website? Yeah, I love uh, Instagram. That's the only one really I do. Yep. Uh, Instagram is Roberto Segura, mm -hmm. uh, underline, underline two times. And then my website is for any business related uh, matter is uh, areshospitality.com. Mm -hmm. So, but you can find me on Instagram, you can send me a message, you can ask me for recipes, uh, tips. And you'll anything. share them. I share them all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being so sharing with all your knowledge today. And I loved our dinner and look forward to coming back again. And thanks for your time. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. I love it. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.